podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitramelides. I'm joined by a, a rather tired Sid Lowe from Qatar. Sydney, you've been working you were working extremely hard before you went to the World Cup and now you've gone to the World Cup and ramped it up another level. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Is there a small part of you that potentially might be hoping that Spain get knocked out tomorrow <laughs> to Morocco so you can go home and relax? It would be terrible of me to say so, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> but yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Deep down, deep down, uh, I think uh, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing for your uh, for your mental state. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see just how likely that is in just a moment when we discuss uh, Spain against Morocco. Let's just set the scene. If it is a little bit noisy, it's because Sydney is in the media centre. Yeah. Do you you know who's sitting next to me? Well, I mean, not There are lots of people around you. Not just directly. I I, I lie when I say next to me. It's one, two, two seats away. Um, Bamban Zamorano is sitting sitting alongside me. Oh, wow. There we go. Real Madrid legend. Um, So, yes, Sydney is there uh, with uh, Ivan Zamorano. Uh, and who's that just behind you? That was Miguel Delaney's just walked past. Oh, right. there we go. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a whole sort of... Um, a veritable who's who of yes. football. <laughs> yes. Uh, let, 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 let's get to the podding then. Uh, we are podding, by the way, throughout the World Cup over at uh, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. You should join us this week. We'll have a bonus pod reacting to whatever happens in uh, Spain's last 16 game with Morocco. Plus, you can delve into our archive of TSFP Presents and uh, watch Al's paper review join the TSFP Discord it's only 4 euros a month it's um, it's good value and we're keeping the content going alright so tomorrow we have the first knockout game for Spain it's against a really rather dangerous looking Morocco side I think they were one of only three teams to get seven points from a possible nine in the group stages they're unbeaten they've beaten Belgium and they look good Spain <laughs> we're basically where we were at the start of the tournament, we don't really know what to expect from Spain. And we've had three matches to try and clarify our thoughts, and it hasn't really happened, has it? No, and I suppose on one level we, we know exactly what to expect for Spain from Spain in terms of we know what the approach is, we know what the, uh, the philosophy, to use the phrase that they use a lot, is we know what they are trying to do, even if it's not always what they succeed in doing. But yes, then the, the, the ability to make that work is a different issue and I suppose that's one of the reasons why it creates so much debate isn't it because you know when Spain are good we know how they're going to be good but also when Spain get caught out they tend to get caught out in relatively familiar ways mm. and, and of course so that means that from the outside at least it can be very kind of easy to say well why don't you just stop doing these things right why don't you <laughs> stop playing the ball around at the back why don't you I mean we, we, I think we mentioned it the other day the, the great great phrase from Take Kubo, who said after the Japan game, he said, "You know, Spain have a problem, which is that they won't just they don't, won't just kick the ball at him up or cool up. In other words, get the ball the fuck out of there. You yes. know, they won't just wallop it." Uh, Luis Enrique in the press conference today was very interesting because essentially he did, and I think he was absolutely right to do this. And I think it's something we have tried to do as well. But of course, it, it carries a lot more weight when it comes from him, and it's said a lot more eloquently when it comes from him as well. He basically tried to challenge the cliches today. Mm-hmm. This idea that Spain are, if you like, willfully taking the risks willfully making mistakes um, his argument is that we don't do this because of some 
kind of ideological commitment to wanting the ball, even if there can sometimes appear to be, if you like, a, what would you call it, kind of a, a moralistic cue to it or, a, or a, an attempt to kind of say, you know, this is somehow better in, in something that's beyond just competing, you know, just kind of better, sort of morally better. Um, he says this is about taking a choice about how we play mm. and taking a choice about what we think the risks that we are going to run are. Because if we don't do this, that's even more risky. This is essentially his point. He said, you know, um, and actually he said something very similar to this. I asked him a question about this in Seville after the game against, I think it was Sweden, but I'm not sure. And he said, you know, there are times when you're under pressure and there are times when you feel like just, let's use the Takikuba phrase, kicking the ball out of Marpo Kulo. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing is if we do that we are just an average team that's not what we're good at and so what we need to do is find a way to mean that the qualities that we've got can be benefited and can come to the fore and that involves yes taking risks for the ball at time yes bringing people in to, closer to us to try and create space further up the pitch inviting a degree of pressure which at time can be problematic now obviously there is a difference uh, between execution and conception uh, and, and conceptually maybe it's not a bad idea but you need to be able to execute it because if you really can't execute it often enough then actually conceptually it's a bad idea too hmm. um, but Luis Enrique's argument is these are the kind of players we've got and this is the best way to play yes it brings risks but it would be daft not to do it did he convince you? he always convinces me even when I don't agree with him hmm. he's one of those people that, that I can sit there and just think wow yeah I'm completely on your side and I can see why players follow him as yeah. well even 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 players who suffer and obviously you know no one more so than Unai Simon but a lot of the central defenders uh, sorry the, the defenders the full backs and the central defenders I think at times will feel God I've got a manager here who is really putting my head on the line but of course what Luis Enrique does in part is to say I take responsibility this is what I want you to do and by the way if you don't do it you won't play mm. right so you're going to bloody well do it um, and, and, and actually you listen to him and he's so convinced that you think yeah even if I'm not sure about this and, and there are players in that Spain team who every now and again think why don't we you know slightly protect ourselves a bit more but this is what their manager wants and, and, and he will take that weight from them and you never take it away completely by the way because if you're a player who screws up that still lives with you it doesn't live with the manager only but he takes responsibility for it and so yes he convinced me even if there are elements of what they do that I do still think actually occasionally it's a step too far. Uh, we also heard Pedri speaking in the pretty much press conference today. Um, what, what did he have to say? Not a huge amount comparatively, um, <laughs> because because of course he doesn't. But he he like Luis Enrique. I mean, well, he, not like Luis Enrique. That's the wrong word. Even more than Luis Enrique, he's kind of if you like the embodiment of that style. You know, this is a guy whose game is based on holding the ball, uh, based on bringing people to him, turning away from them, opening up the space, finding that pass, and doing so through a process that says I will take the risks that others won't take because at some implicit level even if he doesn't admit it and I I interviewed him when was it it must have been at the start of the season August time September maybe uh, uh, about precisely this this idea that even if you never express it openly you're prepared to take risks because actually you know you're quite good at this (laughs) and so while Pedri maybe doesn't express it with the determination that Luis Enrique does he is convinced by this approach because fundamentally it's, it's, it's the kind of approach a player like him sort of needs and sort of embodies. Mm. Shall we try and do something extremely difficult? Go on. Yes. Name the starting 11. Starting 11 for tomorrow. It's, it's <laughs> basically impossible. Um, although I, I, I actually think tomorrow's is, is pretty clear. Um, this, is, this is what I've got. This is what so I've do I. Got. Go on, you, tell me what you, you tell think. me. Unai Simon in goal, obviously. 
Um, I think the back yeah. four is, is pretty clear. I guess it depends on how fit Azpilicueta is because he was a he was a, a bit of a doubt with a calf injury. Although Luis Enrique says everybody is fit, so it's. Mm, I'll go for Carvajal, although he's not really convinced me so far this tournament. Carvajal, Rodrigo, Laporte and Alba. Busquets, Pedri, Gavi. Ferran Torres, Alvaro Morata and Dani Olmo. Ferran, Morata and Olmo. Right, I'm looking at that list and I'm thinking I 100% agree with you. Um, with the possible, yeah, with the possible caveat, which is one you've already thrown in, which is Carvajal. Um, Athpi... I saw Athby yesterday and Athby says he's fit says he's fully ready uh, and I agree with you Carvajal hasn't looked quite right has he? It's, he hasn't no it's, it's, it's curious because I, I think he's a really good player I, I think he's been desperately lucky in his career I think it's two major tournaments he's missed at the very last minute because of injury um, mm. and, and you know all things being equal I think I would probably play him but I think if you have doubts about Carvajal and in particular if you feel like there's a slight lack of security about the defence Athby, the one thing he gives you, I suppose, is security, is steadiness, doesn't he? Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, that would be my doubt as well. I suppose there's a possible doubt maybe with one of the two players flanking Morata up front or maybe the very small possibility that it's not Morata that starts and it's Asensio. But I agree with you. I think Ferran, Morata and Olmo is the most likely. OK, there we go. So, I mean, we, we so seem to agree. it wasn't impossible. <laughs> well, we, we seem to agree. I mean, it's, it's, we'll, we'll see how close we are to, um, to getting it yeah. right in it. In about 24 hours' time, but um, yeah, it's um, it's it, it's been tricky to try and predict uh, uh, Luis yeah, Enrique. Uh, we're looking forward to this game. It should be a good one. Morocco are a very very tricky side, and they've got a number yeah. of uh, very good players uh, who play in top European leagues, and they're going to be tough. I mean, this is genuinely a difficult uh, difficult game. But you you believe that it's, that Spain will get through? Well, look, Spain. If you were to say to Spain. Even before you've seen the groups, right? Just just say, right, there's a World Cup coming up. You're going to get through your group, and your next knockout round, you're going to play Morocco. They'd say, yes, please. That's the mm. truth. And don't take offence if you're a Moroccan fan and you're listening to this. Um, but, but that's the truth. That said, of course, this is a Morocco side that has impressed us so far, um, that has, I think, played pretty well with the ball, has been very, very good without the ball as well defensively. They've been aggressive in phases of their games, maybe not all the way through in 90 minutes, but they've had that kind of aggression to, to go at people, to, to, to close them down high up the pitch or to wait for them and then break on them. And those are two things, obviously, that can be problematic for Spain. They, um, I'm not going to claim this stat as my own, um, but I was told this yesterday they've only allowed... They obviously, only conceded one goal, which I believe is an own goal. But I can't actually... Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I can't picture it. I can't see the goal no. in my mind now. Uh, but they've only allowed five shots against them in this tournament. Um, wow. And so this is, you know, this is a team that, in theory, should be quite difficult. Now, look, are Spain favourites? Yes. Should Spain get through? Yes. And for what it's worth, I think Spain should get through the next round as well. Because if we're going to make the assumption, and never, ever make assumptions, but let's do it, that it's Portugal. Um, we have seen over the last, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Phil, I think Spain haven't lost to Portugal in six or is it seven meetings. Uh, they've been a whole load of draws. I think it had been five draws in a row until they went to Portugal and clinched the... Well, it was the place for here, wasn't it? Was it the uh, place for it here? It wasn't. It was the place for the Nation's That's League. That's right. Sorry. Four. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all these competitions are all mixed into one now. <laughs> and they went to Portugal and won in Portugal. Um, it I, was. Exactly. I, I, so five consecutive draws. And then, and, and then that one. And so I, I, I feel like Spain should make the semi-final. Should do. Uh, that's not to say they will. OK. Um, so that's what's we think might happen on the pitch uh, tomorrow Morocco against Spain um, there's a there's an element to this game which I think it's worth us, us, us touching upon and it's well how can I put this 
Spain and Morocco. Well, it's absolutely horrendous. Well, is the answer. Let, let's just put the context into it. Spain and Morocco are neighbours. They are literally next to each other uh, on the on on the map at the closest point. Um, I think it's just a number of a few miles separating uh, Spain and Morocco. Uh, Moroccans are the largest immigrant population in in Spain. There's um, nearly not far off uh, a million uh, Moroccans uh, in um, in Spain. And there are some people that would use this game as an excuse to exacerbate certain tensions. What did you send me yesterday, Sydney, on our on our WhatsApp group? Yeah, I was I was sent this by by a friend, a colleague, um, and it was uh, well, it was a couple of it was a couple of things that had been circulating. One was, uh, I mean, just the very just this very first part of this, even before I get into the details of it, is is, is kind of. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is for it. But anyway, the idea that the Frente Atletico and the Ultrasur from Real Madrid were going to join together to essentially, to use their words, right? To use their words, to ensure that Moroccan football fans watching this game don't cause trouble. In other words, to kind of to play defend as a, the street. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of, I don't really know what what to say it's just you know the, 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 the implications for it both in practical terms and also if you like in ideological is probably not the right word but in terms of you know the, 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 the discourse being, being yes. said the, the, the manner of it the kind of language it's just horrendous I think this has <clears throat> been uh, I mean look this might not happen and there no, might not be anything and, and hopefully it really isn't an issue but, but I mean, there were, even the prospect of it is, is, is really really unpleasant I think there were some altercations when Morocco beat Belgium in, in, in Belgium I think there's uh, uh, around half a million Moroccans living in, living in Belgium um, the uh, the Spanish Federation of uh, Islamic Religious Entities have uh, asked the uh, mo- uh, Moroccan population in Spain to um, celebrate if they were going to win, if th- to celebrate calmly. Um, there's also been the, uh, the Moroccan general consulate asking for Moroccans to, if they were to win, to celebrate with sensibility, se- sensitivity and, and sportingness. So I think people are aware that a certain result could lead to certain things happening out on the streets. Fingers yeah. crossed that doesn't happen, and fingers crossed this is just basically being blown out of proportion by people who want it to be blown out. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? It's the it's the it's the opportunistic element yes. of this, and the and it's 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 really quite grim. There was, I mean, part of the context of this is that Morocco played at um, at Gornia. Yes. When was it? About a month ago? I'm not sure. It feels just before feels the World Cup. Just yeah, just before the World Cup, and. Um, and there had been, in truth, there wasn't really trouble as such, in that there weren't, you know, there wasn't trouble in terms of confrontations and so on. But quite a lot of people tried to bunk their way into the stadium to get in without paying tickets, mm. and, and and quite a lot was made of the of the footage of that. And so I think there is definitely, um, what do we call this in English when the Spanish refer to it as a caldo de cultivo, if you like, kind of the mix, the ingredients are there for mm. for it to for it to potentially not end very well yes uh, like I said fingers crossed we're just talking about the football and we're talking about a Spanish win uh, over Morocco but there is potential for, for a bit more to a bit more to happen there let's talk about some other World Cup stuff Sydney because obviously you've been writing you've been interviewing you've been watching Spain train you've been interviewing the manager players but also you've been watching other football as well you 
You went to watch Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina and England over the last yeah. few days. I mean, just as someone who loves football, that, that, that must be pretty uh, good. It's brilliant. I mean, literally, my, my run of games, I mean, I, I don't know if... I, I don't think I could think of a run of better teams. Obviously, each of these teams had an opponent as well. But better teams are five in a row. It went, it went England, Spain, Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina... Uh, with Ghana as the opponents of Argentina in one of those. It's like, I, I probably couldn't have chosen, you know, six teams I would like, rather watch at a World Cup. Uh, you watched England beat Senegal yesterday. How, yeah. how impressive, impressive. Very. Yeah. I thought it took them a while, actually, to be fair. And I, d- I don't think they started particularly well. But the goal they scored was brilliant. I thought all three goals were really well constructed. I think England is a team with a, a huge amount of variety and athleticism extraordinary depth on the bench I really do think they have, have, have incredible depth on the bench um, you know, different, different types of players to bring into play um, I thought Harry Kane played brilliantly I, I think he's a wonderful player anyway but I thought he played brilliantly but the player that stood out was, was certainly in the first half at least was, was Bellingham who was outrageously good and I love his cockiness I don't think his cockiness as such I think it's confidence his willingness to do little flicks his willingness to confront people if he has to to basically be able to do almost everything is he getting too expensive for Real Madrid? Because they already wanted him before this World Cup. It was already going to be too expensive anyway. And now, with these performances, it feels like he he's might be out of their range. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know what their range is, but I suppose if they're saving up all the Mbappé money, maybe they can afford him. Um, but he, he is going to be expensive, no doubt about it. But, I mean, this is the thing. I suppose you say, will he be out of their range? But then I suppose you need to, need to look at that from a relative point of view and say, well, what is the range for them? and how high is the range for other clubs in other words you know, at what point do they stop but if they don't stop any later than anyone else they, they of course can still get him And because there's been suggestions that the club that was most interested in him of course was, was Liverpool um, and, and, and I cannot, can't remember when I heard where I saw this now but it was a suggestion about two or three weeks ago that, that Liverpool had, had effectively said almost publicly that they weren't going to go to you know kind of three figure numbers for him that there wasn't really the possibility for that that's just not the structure that said interestingly enough Liverpool's um, sporting director who already was a replacement um, in the summer a guy called Julian Ward has now left Mm, Okay. so I don't know if that heralds a new approach also of course there's some suggestions that Liverpool might be bought out so so maybe that changes their, their transfer approach too and there are Liverpool players in the England squad who are uh, <clears throat> supposedly uh, trying to convince him to come. But um, let's see, let's see. Yeah. But he is certainly the standout star, I think, for uh, for this uh, England side who have a rather blockbuster-looking quarter-final against France for everyone to look forward to. Someone who's not in the knockout stages, much to our heartbreak, is is Uruguay. You you saw them, you saw them exit the competition, beating Ghana, but not being able to get through to the to the last sixteen. I mean, it was. It was pretty disappointing from, um, from from our perspective. Generally, I thought Uruguay could have could have played better in this tournament. Yeah, well, I think one of the frustrating things was what we saw in that third game that they could have played better. Um, and, and, and you look at them and you think there's no need for them to be quite so conservative. There's no need for them to to, to seemingly hold back quite so much. Um, and in that third game, oh, and also in the third game, you know, they're two 0 up. And I don't want to be a smart ass after the event. But at that point, you knew that there's a very good chance you're going to need another one. You know, it wasn't at all beyond the realms of the plausible that Korea beat Portugal. A Portugal team who didn't need to win. A Korea team who I think I might have even said to you in the previous pod, when they lost to, which game was it, to Ghana, 3-2, I thought Korea were really good. I thought Korea were much better than Ghana. 
And, and so I, I didn't think it was at all unlikely to imagine a scenario in which, because of goal difference, Uruguay were going to need to win by more than 2-0. And when they got the second, I felt like they didn't really look for, for the third. Now, obviously, they would argue, and I think with a significant amount of justification, they could have had two penalties, and then it's totally different. I think they would also argue, again, with some justification, that they shouldn't have had the penalty given against them in the Portugal game. And again, I, I would, broadly speaking, I don't know if I would agree with it, but I would, I would accept it as, as part of your argument. And so, you know, the margins are very, very, very fine. But I did feel like they could have done a bit more. And you look at the Portugal game, for example, which is obviously where it really goes wrong rather than this one. And you get that situation where they had 10 minutes, didn't they? Or maybe 15, when they went for it and created three really good chances. And then the rest yeah. of the time, it was like they didn't want to. And you just sort of, you're looking at a player like Fede Valverde, who every time he was kind of, I'm going to use a cliche now, but when he was unleashed... Right? All of yeah. a sudden, they made things happen. And for example, in this game, I thought Luis Suarez played brilliantly, despite the fact that he kind of can't run anymore. And it was partly because they'd taken the decision, right, we take the game closer to the other area. And if you do that, you've still got some players who can do things. Uh, forgive us for our little self-indulgence. Yeah, we do on, like on, a bit on, of on Europe, Europe, don't we? Europe, yeah. but, but we do. All right, you've seen Brazil, you've seen Argentina, you've seen England. Of those three, who's impressed you the most? England. Um, really? Yeah. It, although at the same time, I look at Brazil. I wasn't at Brazil's first game, um, so and I'm at Brazil tonight. So we'll see what, what they do tonight. Um, what I would say is that, despite having said that, I look at Brazil and even the Cameroon game, which of course I lost them losing, lost them losing, saw them losing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way through it, I just felt, yeah, they're just kind of better than everyone else. This was a B team playing for them. Um, and I just thought, you know, they, they had 21 shots. They were trying to walk the ball in by the end. And I just kind of looked at them and thought, they might not be that impressive. They might not be this team that are playing fantastically well. But they have so much. You know, every player in that team is a good player. Even when the B team was playing, I thought nearly all of them are good players. Mm. I mean, even Danny Alves, who can barely walk anymore, um, can, can, can still pick a pass out. Um, and, and you sort of watch them. And so I look at them and I still think, they're the team that I, them and France are the teams that I think are the most likely to win it but the team that's most impressed me live was, was probably the, the last 50 minutes of England yesterday um, patches of the England game against Wales but you know it's Wales I didn't actually like England against the US I didn't think they were good at all hmm. OK who's going to win the World Cup Sydney? France <laughs> okay. I haven't seen the play. I mean, you asked me about the ones I'd seen. Yes. So I, I think the one, the one that I think is, has got the most is France. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, so, quick, so, so that's that's who I would go quick for. Quick word on Antoine Griezmann as well and what he's been doing because I, I think people have been. Do you know, uh, what? I'm really pleased yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. Because I think I think I think he is one of the. I mean, look. Obviously, this is partly his fault. In fact, it's it's largely his fault. But I think he's one of the forgotten great players, if you sort of mean. Uh, and I think there's been periods in his career when he really is a properly special footballer. And I'm not sure it's always been recognised. That said, I realise that there's a certain degree of stupidity in me saying that because Barca did spend 125 million on him. So it's not like they, you know, it's not like he was totally unrecognised. Because if someone like Barcelona spends 125 million euros on you, it's because they think you're quite good. Particularly as they spend it on you a year after you pissed about with that stupid video and didn't go there, and they still did it. Um, but it's nice to see him play well and it's nice to see him play well by the way uh, uh, what position are we calling him you see I think he's playing as a midfielder I don't know if it's really the yeah I mean I I don't know if we should really call it that but it sort of is isn't it and and, and I I think he's exceptional Mm. he is he is he's been incredibly impressive for for France and let's see if they uh, let's see if they go all the way once again 
uh, as we said, really tasty looking quarter final with uh, them against uh, England. A vast majority of this podcast dedicated to the World Cup because that's where Sydney is. That is what where the actuality is Spanish word that isn't it That's yeah that. it's a good one I like the, that the, yeah, the, uh, the current news uh, is uh, but uh, there is still there is still football going on in Spain we've had uh, Segunda División and um, just a quick word on Oviedo Sid four games unbeaten yep. now under new coach yeah. Alvaro Cervera yeah I know tremendous they're starting to get moving yeah. I was I was sitting in the press conference for uh, who was it Korea of course God my mind went blank for a minute and that's the game I'm actually about to go into now um, sitting in the press conference for Korea their, their manager of course is Paolo Bento oh, yes. who played for played for Real Oviedo the year that I lived in Oviedo in fact I saw him one day in the McDonald's with his kids um, <laughs> so there you go that's a massive that, I mean back then that was that was a claim to fame to me I was all excited anyway um, I was sitting in that press conference room next to a guy called David Alvarez not the David Alvarez that, that you worked with but a different yes. David Alvarez who works for El País and I turned to him and I said, you know what, this is probably, outside of Asturias, there is probably not a room in the world with a higher proportion of Oviedistas in it at the moment than this one. Me, you and, and Paolo <laughs> Bento, because David Alvarez too is a real Oviedo fan. We had agreed, me and David, that we were going to ask questions and that we would lie and say that we were from a newspaper in Asturias to see what he said. <laughs> Hello, Sid, Sid Lowe from La Nueva España. <laughs> Unfortunately, as, as has happened far too many times at this World Cup, uh, the, the person managing the press conference did not give me the chance to ask a question. No! Why? I know, I was, or, or David, in fact. So the, the idea was that he was going to say, you know, blah, blah, blah from Oviedo, and I was going to say, blah, blah, blah also from Oviedo, and <laughs> just see how he reacted. Oh. Although I must say, much as I loved Paolo Bento as a player when he was at Real Oviedo, he's a miserable old git as a manager. I, I have not <laughs> seen him smile uh, in this whole tournament. Uh, it, can, it's yeah. really quite something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. He, he described himself in a press conference yesterday as a realist and then went on to deliver the most pessimistic <laughs> account of the situation you could ever imagine. Yeah, I mean, let's see if he's smiling at the end of the game uh, with uh, Brazil this evening. Um, that's the game that you're going to go to, so I'm going to leave you to go there. Before, before we go, I just want to tell the listeners that, you know, there's only... 24 days until La Liga football returns. 24 days. We're I thought down. you were going to say 24 days to Christmas. Well, so I was thinking, hang on, I've calculated this. No, one. it's just after Christmas uh, because we return on uh, Thursday the 29th. We've got Girona against Rio, Betis Athletic Club and Atletico Madrid against Elche. Then on Friday the 30th, Getafe Mallorca, Celta Sevilla, Cadiz Almeria and Valladolid against Real Madrid. And then on New Year's Eve, you've got the Barcelona derby at the Camp Now as Espanyol visit. Then Real Sociedad Osasuna and Villarreal against Valencia, which is another local derby. So that's what we've got to look forward to, guys. It is not far away at all. Uh, the World Cup will be done soon, and we'll be back to the serious business of discussing <laughs> what really matters. Of discussing what really matters. In the meantime, this kickabout in Qatar is uh, uh, taking up a little bit of our time. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Sydney, and and for everyone listening as well. Thanks for joining us, amigos. We'll be over at patreon.com forward slash tsfp for the rest of the week if you need us, and if not, we'll see you next Monday. Adios. Cheerio. Network.